Amen. Because He wrote it all. Every single thing. The Bible says that what you've got in your hand is breathed by God. Yes, He wrote it all. And it's for our instruction. We need to take instruction from it. It is the owner's manual for your life. I, I want to say to you, I've learned something. I'm 50 and some years old. Somebody said you shouldn't say your whole age. It just says 50 and some. But I'm 50 and some years old. But I'll tell you one thing that I've learned in these 50 and some years is that every single answer of life is in this book. Every single answer is there. You say to me that your life is a mess, show me your Bible. Show me your Bible. If you work your Bible through, I've seen a Bible uh, when I was in Fiji. I've seen a, a man there sitting with his Bible. I've got a picture of that. I'll actually bring it. I should maybe bring it next time. But his Bible was so torn, not, not torn apart, but it's so worked through. The pages were falling apart. And you know, I look at this man and he may not have a lot, but I tell you what, he's got a full and he's got a happy life, a blessed life. Because the God of that book lives in his heart. Is that where he lives for you? If he's not living there for you this morning, then you are wasting your time. You're wasting your time. He's got to live in your heart. Not only live in your heart, he's got to operate through your life. He's got to be in your footsteps. He's got to be in your hands. He's got to be in your speech. This is what this whole psalm is about. The more I read over it, and, and I thank the Lord that he opened up the opportunity to preach. I'm not going to preach through the whole psalm. It's going to take us how many weeks? Who can quickly take the math? How many letters is in the Hebrew alphabet? 22. It's going to take us 22, but I, I just pray the Lord that we will not go all of them, but we will just use some of them. I should start my presentation. Uh, so we love the Word of God because the Word of God brings us closer to God and we learn more from Him. Amen? And we learn more of Him. I want to talk to you today as the third segment in here, as deal bountiful with your servant. Deal bountiful with your servant. Everybody say bountiful. Isn't that just a nice word that flows from your lips? Bountiful. What does it mean? It means a lot. It means just not a little. It means extra, extravagant, much, more, enormous, great. How many words do you want to put to that? And plenty, abundantly. Throw more. How does it mean for you? If you hear that word, overflowing. overflowing. Oh, I love that word overflowing, and I want to use that. I didn't plan to use it, but I'm going to use it now. The word overflowing means what? Say it. It can't be contained, but there's something about overflowing. You first need to be filled up so that you can overflow. You can't give somebody something you haven't got. And that is, that is the key. That's the essence of Christian life. You cannot stand in the streets and try to give somebody Jesus. You can't give Jesus to anybody. He needs to overflow and people will see. Your biggest testimony will come from the overflow. It first has to do something in your life because, before it will do something in your family's life. It's just true. I'm not asking you this this morning. I'm telling you this because it's the word. It is the truth. It's the essence of the faith that we are standing in, that we're operating in. And here David cries out, the psalmist, he, he writes down there in verse 7, Deal bountiful with your servant. 
Now we know what theme we started a few weeks ago. We started this theme in Psalm 1 verse 2. Delighting ourselves in the word of God and meditating in it day and night. Who remembers that? Yes? Uh, did you do it this last week? Did you delight yourself in the word of God? Did you delight yourself in God? How did you delight yourself in God? Come on, this is not a dead religion. There are plenty of places if you want to go for a dead religion. Plenty. And they will take you. Because they are after the numbers. We are not. We are not. No, no. We need to delight ourselves in God. And you know what's going to happen? Once you start delighting yourself in God, what's going to happen? He's going to fill you up and you're going to overflow, my brother. And people are going to see the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in you and on you, and guess what's going to happen? They want some of that fruit. They want some of that fruit. They're going to come for you. They're going to come for you and they're going to say, what is it inside of you? What is, what is the thing that triggers you? What keeps you so upbeat and happy? It's not falsities. It is the, the essence, the substance of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And this is what we're delighting ourselves in, in the Word of God. Uh, never lose your delight in the Word. Never lose it. Because if you start losing your delight in the Word of God, it is as if His mouth starts stop talking to you. And forget about these people who say, I'm just going to sit on a chair and just wait for, for the soaking of the Spirit. You know these teachings that's going out? I, 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 I don't... I, look, listen to me. I believe in the Holy Spirit. He's in my life. He's living in my heart. I know how He works. I know how He works. But He speaks to me through His Word. And then He empowers it through His Spirit. This is the experience that I've had. And now we delight ourselves in the Word of God. And the only way that we delight ourselves is meditating in it day and night. And we saw that David is doing this. And we saw the three cornerstones of a happy life. Who wants a happy life? Remember the three cornerstones. And then we saw how to keep a pure life last week. Now today I want to continue just on into the next verse and the next eight verses. As you remember what I said. It's not, I, I didn't find it out, but I've read about it and I think it's beautiful that the author of this Bible, of this book, wrote Psalm 119 and he broke it up in eight verses. And each one of those verses is the beginning of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. And we come now to Gimel. He says there in Psalm 119 verse 17, deal bountiful. Everybody say bountiful. There's that word. I want you this whole week, wherever you go, to remember that word, Vito. Think about the bountifulness of the Lord. He says, I deal bountiful with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Deal bountiful with me, Lord, so that I may live and keep your word. You see, the word there for deal in Hebrew is gemol. Gemol. And that means a reward for faith and for prayers. What David is saying to the Lord, he says, Father, I want you to deal now with me about the reward that's coming my way. Give me that reward, Father. He's actually asking for it. It becomes a prayer for physical and spiritual blessing. Physical and spiritual blessing. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about money today in the church and a lot of you who know me for so many years and there's some online who's listening in New Zealand who's been in our church they would know that I'm not a preacher who preach money in church 
You get two ways of talking about money. One is people never talk about it. They say, no, that's a taboo topic. You don't talk about money in church. And others say, the prosperity preachers, they preach about it every Sunday. Because they're after your money. Now I want to make a disclaimer here this morning so that everybody hear me loud and clear. I am not after your money, okay? You can keep your money in your wallet. I'm not after it. But the Bible talks about money. And when we think about this word bountiful, it is a big word. We've heard all these words about it. It is an enormous word and it's so wonderful here that David comes and he He's putting this request before the Lord. And I can see the boldness in which he come for this blessing to the Lord. He says, Lord, I pray that you deal bountifully with me. But some people who's after your money will only see the dollar signs in that word. But there's also a spiritual side of that word. He's also asking for a long life. He says that I may live. And now he's coming to the Lord and he puts it before the Lord and he says, I pray that you deal bountifully with me. While at the same time when he comes with, to the Lord with this, with this boldness, he comes humble before the Lord. Which is the word which shows that out to you? It's the word servant. He says, Lord, I ask you, Lord, in boldness, I come before you as your servant. Deal bountifully with your servant. And you know, there's some people who say that we can't pray this over our lives. I disagree. I disagree about that. Here David prays that prayer. He says, Father, I pray for your bountifulness in my life. He knows. Why does he pray like this? Because he knows that as a servant, everything he's got depends on the master's bounty. It all depends on his bounty. If you're a servant of somebody, you've got nothing, you've got no rights, you've got nothing of yourself. Everything belongs to the master. And here David comes to God and he says, Father, I pray to you that you deal with your servant because I've got nothing in myself and without you I can do nothing. Who knows that? Let me just say here this morning, I don't know what your net worth is, but everything that you've got belongs to God. Every single thing. You say to me, but wait a minute, preacher, I've worked so hard, I've studied so hard, I've got all of these degrees, and I say, God bless your heart. You're a very hard worker. But if God didn't give you that sound brain in your head, you wouldn't have been able to sit where you're sitting today. Everything you've got belongs to God. Nothing is yours. When you came to the cross and you say, Father, I'm a new creation, all that selfishness, every single thing that you had inside of you, you resigned it over to God. You gave your life to Him, didn't you? Who gave their life to the Lord? When He came, He said, I don't just want 10% of you. I don't want 20% of you. I don't want 50% of you. I want the all of you. And that's when you come to God and you say, it's no longer I that live, but... It's Him. Everything belongs to Him. And we are just stewards thereof. There is stewards thereof. But here the servant comes and, and he stands before the master and he says, Lord, I just don't ask for a little, but I ask for a lot. He asks bountiful. He's very specific in it. And I think if our sister was here this morning, she would testify about that. She was standing right here and she said, when she started praying, looking for a place to live in because they had to move out of her old house, 
It is as if the Lord said, ask specifically what you want. Ask specifically. And what did she testify last week? The Lord gave her specifically what she needed. Specifically. And I walked into that house on Tuesday and I looked. And I was in the old one and I looked at the new one. And those who helped out last week and Tuesday, they all said the same as I said. The place has got a little bit more space. Isn't it wonderful that when God bless, it is so wonderful? When we come to God and we ask Him and He gives... We are His children. And God gives to His children. And here again, He comes to Him. And I just want to fast forward a little bit here and come to verse 65. Because we see here some kind of answer on His prayer. He says, you've dealt, dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. You are sitting here this morning. Who can testify this morning that the Lord has dealt bountifully with you? Who can testify about that? Come on, brothers and sisters. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Hallelujah. I think you can do better. Let's give the Lord hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How good is God to you? The fact that you are sitting here this morning and you've had a breakfast or you had the option to do breakfast. You see, because I'm fasting breakfast. But, but you've got the option. You could eat a breakfast the, the fact that you will be out to go eat, the fact that you've got clothes on you, the fact that you can walk into a shop and choose your own clothes. Have you ever thought about that? We sit here sometimes and we don't look at God. We just want to see all of the great things He do. But it is the small things sometimes that surprises us. We were in New Zealand working in the... In, in the we had a church there and we were working down in Hamilton. So I don't know if you know New Zealand, but from where we lived on the North Shore, it's, it's 280 kilometers. And we would drive on a Sunday. I would take my family. Sharia was a baby and I had the two boys, Gavin and Richard. And we didn't have a keyboard. This is how it was back in the day. We had an a, a organ, one of those big wooden organs. And we would, after church on a Sunday morning, I would preach in, in Auckland. And they would take that organ and put it into this mini bus we had. And I would load the three children in there and we would drive down 280 kilometers down to Hamilton. We didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of testimonies. But this one came up to me last night. This just came to me when I sat there and I look at this word bountiful and I said, Lord, I want to thank you. We went down to Hamilton and it's always a rush on a Sunday. I don't know if the boys would remember this but because they were still young, but we would always rush to get in and rush to get down there because dad wants to set up and mom needs to sing and the church there in Hamilton would come together and then we would find ourselves afterwards, you know, fellowshipping with people and, and it's all over because we look after the people and sometimes not after your own family as a minister, yes? And then we found ourselves driving home sometimes on Sunday evenings and the children didn't eat. But this particular night, we didn't have a lot of money. And, and as we were driving between Hamilton and Auckland, there's this McDonald's there. There's this full station there. There's a petrol stop there. And I said to Leone, I said, look, we've got enough money for two burgers for the two boys. Sharia was still a baby. So she was on milk. So we were driving down there. Now, I, I can tell you, I'm also a big man. My stomach was also growling and, and saying, you know, you're also hungry and so on. But that's it. We will feed our two boys. And you know what, brothers and sisters? The Lord is so bountiful. We drove into this McDonald's. First of all, we thought we're not going to make it because they do close. That McDonald's, it closed at night. 
And I don't know what time it was. It was 11 o'clock. It, it went late on the night. And the boys, it's late. It's, they're hungry. And we pulled into this McDonald's to buy two burgers. And as we pulled in there, the lady opened up. They said, do you want 15 burgers? I said, no, you heard me wrong. <laughs> it's only two burgers. I've only got money for two burgers. She said, well, we're closing down. We've got all of these burgers and we don't want to throw them away. We can give it to you. We've had a full bag of burgers, chips, and Coke. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. And the boys had to take the next day for lunch. <laughs> but brothers and sisters, I can tell you endless testimonies about that. But let's think about your life. How bountiful is the Lord? How did He provide for you every single day? Every single day. You know, I drive in the morning on the Monas, on the Monas, Monas, whatever you want to call it, to work. And I thank the Lord for a job. And you know what I say? I say, Lord, I thank you that I have the faculty in my mind that I can still talk and reason and do my work. Because I don't work for that company. I work for you. So let's think about this, brothers and sisters. The bounty of the Lord. Now I said there's two. There's two blessings that can come out of this bountifulness. The first one is a physical blessing. Now the Bible says money is the root of all evil. Yeah, I've heard so many people say it this way. And I say, can you just open it up in the Bible and read it for me out of the Bible? Which I will. He says, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He says, for the love of money. Everybody say love of money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and perceived themselves through with many sorrows. They pierce themselves with many sorrows. And this is the unfortunate thing that happens when people do not understand God's provisions. They think it's for them. They would come in and say that it belongs all to them. It's my net worth, what I have done. Well, I've got news for you, brothers and sisters, and I've said it before. You've got nothing, and especially when you're a child of God. Look, I can get it from the world. If somebody hasn't come to the cross and he says to me, look, this is my net worth, because that's what they look for. They are so proud to walk amongst their friends and say, hey, my net worth is this. What is your net worth? But as a child of God, you know what my net worth is this morning? Nothing. Nothing. It is nothing. We haven't got a net worth. My net worth is the inheritance in heaven. And here it is now. He, you know, he says the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And people say, are you now against money? No, I'm not against money. God made money. God put it in place. We are using it. Somebody said money makes the world go around. Without it, it is difficult to do some things. But God did put it in place. You see, the Bible is very specific when He talks about, to Christians, to you and to me, about your money. It's very specific. We, uh, we look at this. There's a warning in James. In James chapter 5, James writes about this. And he gives a warning to the rich, to the people with money. He says, come now, you rich. Weep and hell. Who knows what hell means? It means you are absolutely weeping. You are, you are, you are crying out. You are, it's, it's, ah, it makes a big sound, howling, for your misery that are coming upon you. Why would it be so, James? He says, for your riches are corrupted 
and your garments, they are moth-eaten. He says your riches are corrupted. Your gold and silver are corroded. And their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. This is a hard word. I don't know about you, but if I've got some money stashed away, this is a hard word. And here James is very clear. And remember what I said before. This is not James sitting there and having... He didn't look at somebody and became jealous and thought he'd write something in what is now called the Bible. This is the inspiration by God. This is God who's speaking to us as a church this morning. Now I'm so glad I've given the disclaimer that I'm not after your money. I want you to keep it, but look at this now. He says the only way that gold and silver can get corroded is how? Is because it is not used for the right reason. It's not used. Now I know there's some people who built up for the old day. I've heard something very interesting when I was in uh, Manila. There's a, a, a video clip that came up of a lady who said that, have you ever thought about this in a hundred years from now? We will all be gone in this room if the Lord tarries to come. We will all be gone, every single one here. Maybe the little baby. But, you know, she, she'll have to grow to over a hundred. And in a hundred years from now, people would not even remember you. Not even your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I mean, can I sit here and can you tell me about your great-great-grandfather? He falls within the hundred years. And she said that the house you're living in, somebody else will live in, in a hundred years from now. And the car you're driving, somebody else is going to drive your car. And the money that you've hyped up, your children will spend it, she said. So what is this about? It's a warning about this. What am I saying this morning? I want to say to you that the Lord is dealing bountiful for you for a reason. For a reason. And we will get to that. So the first one that James comes to now is he gives a warning. And secondly, he talks about how you get your money. This is what the Bible talks out about. Look at James chapter 5 verse 4. He says, Indeed the wages of your laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You see that? So the thing that the Bible warns about is how you get your money. And this particularly is done out of fraud. This man is holding back money. I don't know whether he puts it in a bank and he says, if I'm going to pay their wages a week later, I'll get a little bit more interest. I don't know how. But back in the day, he held back some of the money. And now it became out in cry outs and it becomes cries and cries and it reads the Lord of Sabbath. That doesn't mean the Lord of the Sabbath. That word the Sabbath means the Lord of armies. Because the Lord of armies is against those people who do this corruption. Let it be known. And I know you may not have people working underneath you, but you see it's so easy for us to try to get money in different ways. The Bible says we need to work for our money. Now if you are very clever and you've set up some plans and things work for you, praise the Lord. But again, He's given you the mindset to do what you need to do. But the Bible is gained. You need to look how you do it. I remember back in the day again in New Zealand, there was one man in the church who played horses, who liked to bet on horses. Now, he's playing the luck. 
You know, what's going to happen if the horse is won? And he won a substantial amount of money. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, man, I want to give, you know, how I want to make it right, I want to give 10% to the church. And I said, no, I will not have it. Now, you may disagree and God bless your heart, but I just didn't feel as if that is the blessing from God. So here it is, brothers and sisters, the Bible speaks out about how you get it. And then the second warning to these rich people is what you use your money for. What are you using your money for? And again, look, if you're sitting here this morning, you're getting a little bit upset about me. Listen, it's the word of God that's speaking. James 5.5, he says, you have lived on this earth in the pleasure and luxury you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter you have condemned you have murdered the just and he does not resist you so the bible talks out about what you do with your money it talks about how you get it and what you do with it and here in a specific way he says to them you use it on your pleasure and your luxury you see god will always supply to your need who knows that who knows that there's a difference between wants and needs? I had to teach that to my children when they were younger. Dad, I want this. I say, yes, I know you want this, but you need this. Have you ever seen when there's a disaster going on, a flood or something, that they jump on the TV and they go, oh, we need some help. And if everybody can just reach into, you know, send us some BMWs and send us some, you know, whatever car. No, no, they come to us and they say, we need water food and clothing and those are the things that we need and here here it is on what you spend these things uh, and this is what he talks out about now well this is a long way from him asking for the bounty isn't it bountiful of david but why did i go down here because i want to show you brothers and sisters if god deals with your bountiful do not fall into the error of these rich men that james approached with don't fall in the error that think it's only for you. God blesses you, listen to me now, to bless others. If you're a child of God, God bless you. He gave you to bless others. You go right through the Bible and you see Abraham. Who remembers Abraham? God blessed him, didn't he? He was a very wealthy man. But God blessed him to bless others. And through Abraham, we are blessed today. And we find it so perfectly here. Now Paul writes about this. He gives us an instruction how to use our physical blessings. He says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. May I just say that this scripture verse has been so misused by the prosperity preachers. You will reap what you sow. Who knows that sermon? I've heard so many sermons preached by them. And then they say, come on, sow today. Who's got a million? Who's got a thousand dollars? Who's got two thousand dollars? You give me a thousand dollars and God will give you back ten thousand dollars. That is a lie out of the pit of hell. God doesn't work in that way. But here he says, it's, he uses that scripture verse to talk to the hearts of people. He says in verse 7, so let each one give as his purposes in his heart. And praise the Lord, that is what I believe in. How you purpose in your heart. Not grudgingly, not necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make grace abound toward you. That you always having sufficiency in all things. May have an abundance for every good work. 
In verse 9, he says, At his written, he has dispersed the abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So what is Paul talking about here? He says you are blessed to bless. When Paul went around to these churches, they gathered clothing, they gathered money for him, they gathered food for him, and what did they do with that? They gave it to Paul so that he can take it to the other churches. And this is what it is in verse 11. While you enriched in everything for all liberally, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanks, uh, thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, the glory of God for the obedience of confession to the gospel of Christ and for the liberal sharing which with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. This is why we have Dorcas here, brothers and sisters. And I thank these people in this church who, who brings food to that table. And you wouldn't believe how many testimonies we've got. In fact, you will believe we've got from people who's been blessed. And let us as a church become a blessing to others. Lord, bless us so that we may bless others. Now this is a financial call, but I'm not calling for money. I'm not, there's no, I'm not going to send through an offering after this. I just want you to understand how God's financials work. And he says there, this man, he says, Lord, uh, deal with your servant bountifully. Why? So that we can bless others. But there's a second blessing as well in bountiful, and that's the spiritual blessing. Yes? In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, Paul writes, he says, Blessed be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I'm after this blessing. I want this blessing. And thank God for this blessing. Have you ever thought about what spiritual blessings we got? First of all, we've got something the world haven't got. Who's that? We've got Jesus. That's a spiritual blessing. You work into your workplace, you talk to people around you, and you share with them Jesus, and they laugh at you. Because they haven't got Him, they haven't got the spiritual blessing. The heavenly blessing. What have we got? We've got inheritance. Did you know that? Sitting here this morning, you've got an inheritance. Where is that inheritance? In heaven. It can't be taken. No moth will come to it. No corrosion will come to it. That's a spiritual blessing. Let's think a little bit further. Just to come together here this morning as brothers and sisters. Isn't that a blessing? Just think for that. I mean, how many different nations have we got? You know, I was born in South Africa. I'm, I'm a mixture now. I'm a, I'm a South African-born Kiwi who's living in Australia now, okay? I still don't know what I am. You know, I'm, I may change into an Aussie. I might stay there. But, you know, I was born in South Africa. There's people here from India. There's people from Italy. There's people from all over. And how is it that we come together and we can worship and praise God and we can be brothers and sisters and I can walk over to you and I can give you a hug and say, God bless you, brother and sister. How is that happening? 
Isn't that a spiritual blessing? The fellowship of the saints. We have fellowship with one another because we have fellowship with God. And that unites us. That's a spiritual blessing. I mean, I can go on. The fact that you and I have got sonship. You're a son of God. How wonderful is that spiritual blessing? But if we read just a little bit further on there in verse 7, Paul writes about it. He says, in, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The people who's driving past here who don't have Jesus Christ don't have that. But you have redemption through the blood of Christ. You don't have to work for that. You said it this morning, you, you mentioned a Muslim brother, uh, not a Muslim brother, they're not brothers, a Muslim who, who said these things. You know, you know how hard they work? They asked one lady, I saw this video, they, they said, how hard do you have to work to let your sins be forgiven? She said, very hard. They have to work very hard. You talk to the Jehovah Witnesses, they need to work very hard. To what? To get what? You talk to the, to the Roman Catholics. What do they have to do? They have to work very hard. But here we come and we have the grace of Christ and we don't have to work so hard and He takes our sins away. The forgiveness of sin, the riches of grace which we are abound in. So the spiritual blessings. I love it when Peter writes and we're going to start with Peter in the new year working through verse by verse. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercies has begotten us again to a living hope. We've got living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is so powerful. In verse 4 he says, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I love, the, I love Peter. We're going we're gonna to be blessed when we get there. Now, the question is then, deal bountifully with your servant. Why? And this is what I was talking about, the money and the spiritual blessings. Why? Why do you have to deal bountifully? That I may live and keep your word. And you know what this comes down to? The message of the Bible is to bless others. That is the message. God will deal with you bountifully, not for you to sit there and say, I am saved, I don't care about anybody around me. No, no, now that you are saved, you need to care more. Now that you are blessed, you need to bless more. And here it is, brothers and sisters, that I may bless others. It is not for personal indulgence. God will supply to your needs. This is a prayer, and the prayer is that He may live. And that it may keep God's word. And this is what I say. It's a blessing so that we may bless others. He had great problems and struggles in his life, David. If we read on now and we're going to finish with these next words. If you think about where he was in his lifestyle, what went through. You read in uh, Psalm 119 verse 18. He says, open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. I pray this every time when I study the word of God. This one here, open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. Because brothers and sisters, each one of us, our eyes were veiled when we come to the word. And it's only the Holy Spirit who takes the veil off. I am still standing here and there's still parts of this Bible which is veiled to me. 
And I think uh, Brother Murray will say the same thing. That there's no stage that you come in your life that you say, I know it all and I've, I've seen everything. The more I read and the more I study, the more I, I, I discover. Because he takes it, he reveals the wondrous things from his law. He says, I'm a stranger on the earth. Do not hide from your commandments from me. My soul breaks for longing from judgments at all time. You rebuke the proud, the, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. You see in the psalm, he uses so many different words for the word. Commandments, law, judgments, commandments. In the Hebrew, there's different words for that. But here we find is a man. He says, I'm a stranger in the earth. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling outcasted in the earth. And so we are. We are not part of this world. We are just sojourning through this world. I'm, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a stranger in this world and you are also. And he says, do not hide your commandments from us. He says, my soul longs after your judgment all the time. And rebuke the proud and cursed who stray from your commandments. And finally... He says, remove from me the reproach and the contempt. What do you do with people who criticize you for the wrong reasons? What do you do with people who's always at your case? They don't like you for whatever reason. They may be jealous. They just may have a destructive spirit inside of them. What do you do with those people? There's only one answer here that he gives us. He says, remove from me the reproach and the contempt, for I've kept your testimonies. You keep your testimony in front of these people. That's what you do. If they criticize you for the wrong reason, keep the testimony. What is the testimony of the Word of God in you? Live the life of Christ out in front of them, and your life will silence them. He says it there. He says, princes also sat and speak against me. Have you had that in your life? You walk in and you break into two or three of your friends talking and all of a sudden when you walk in they go, shh, shh, what happened there? They were talking. And all of a sudden you go, and, and I know people go, they have all these conversations in their heads. She then said that and he said that and they said that and all of these things said, said, and you have these, go, no, no, don't have the conversations here. He says, when princes sit down and speak against me, but your servant do what? He meditates on your statues. And, and you see, I used and I colored it because we, you know, we can go really deep into Psalm 119 and look at the Hebrew words here, but he specifically used the right words at the right places. He says, I meditate on your statues because that is firm, that stands, that's not a lie. But these people speak lies. And opposite to that, you stand in the truth of the Word of God. Stand in the statues. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. May the Lord bless His Word. Now, brothers and sisters, I spoke about money today. I just want to say it again. I'm not after your money. There's no outreach here. There's no special offering going on. But may the Lord speak with your heart. Pray to the Lord. If you ask Him for His bountifulness, He will give it to you. But this is what it is. Bless. Be blessed to bless others. I've learned in my life, when I was a young boy, it was always nice when it was my birthday. Why? Because, you know, and, and you invite all your friends. Because the more you invite, the more presents you get. <laughs> the more you invite, you just invite the whole town, man. Let them bring oil. Because everybody wants to bring presents. Yeah, that's good.
and it was good to receive them, but the older I get, I find more and more joy in giving than receiving. And this is what it is. That's the message for today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word today, Father. And uh, I just want to pray over the word, Father, and I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just awaken it in your hearts, Lord, and minds. And afterwards, if it reminds us of something in your lives, Lord, let your Holy Spirit work in its own way. I pray for everybody here today, Lord. Bless everybody. I pray, Father, that you keep us this week in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen.